Hello, and welcome to a live pop culture on D program with Carrie Smith. I am here with my co-host, Mr. Chris. You guys tell us in the chat if the microphone sounds okay. We had some microphone snafus, so you let us know. I, I, I told them you got bit by a zombie, so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good excuse for today's show. Yeah. How have you been? I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too. I, I've been good. I've been uh, really busy. Uh, but good. How about you? Good. Very busy. Also yeah. good. Um, I should make an announcement for anyone watching who, uh, I'm not sure yet if we're doing a Friday show. It depends because I have a conference this weekend. And so I haven't decided yet. We'll, we'll let you know in the, on the YouTube community tab if we do one, but, um, Saturday, if you are in Texas or especially the Fort Worth area, that's where we're going to be. It's the myth informed better discourse conference. And you can get tickets at betterdiscourseevent.com. I'm going to be moderating a couple of panels. There's going to be uh, Mike Harlow's hosting. There's going to be speakers like James Lindsay, Lauren Southern, Blair White, um, Josh Slocum, Colin Wright, Destiny. Uh, I'm forgetting a bunch of people, Nikki Klein. So that's where I'll be this weekend. If you guys are around, come out and say hello. Fun. fun yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah. And then on... Sunday, my husband has a show at Lukenbach. Oh, yeah. Lukenbach. Yeah. yeah. There are some people who don't know about Lukenbach, like the song. You, I just tell people, if you don't know what Lukenbach is, <laughs> start there. I mean, you grew up in Texas. Mm -hmm. You know the song. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I'm from Houston. I know Beyonce and ZZ Top. That's about it. What? Okay, this <laughs> is this a white person, black person thing? It must because, be. <laughs> because I remember there was also that time you were you came to Anthony's show at Hudson's and the whole crowd did that call and response song. You know, like the songs that everybody sings along to, like mm -hmm. Friends in Low Places, and they did um You Never Even Call Me by My Name. And yeah, you that's were a like, white thing. Yeah. <laughs> No. I might have to add that to my list because I told you there's like I have a top five list of songs that white people will all sing to at like one o'clock in the morning at a bar. Like it, it's pretty obvious what number one is. Journey. You can guess what number one. Yep. Don't stop. Exactly. Don't stop believing. That's on there. Oasis Wonderwall's on there. Uh, Sweet Caroline's on there. Uh, the Outfield. I don't want to lose your love tonight. That's on there. Oh, you're going to have to, you're gonna, somebody says, don't stop believing. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's number one. Well, I, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've been out of a bar. I've told a friend that they start playing the song. Everyone starts singing. I go, see, it's like, I didn't set this up. <laughs> well, what song would, if there were a list of songs that black people start singing whenever they hear them, what would those be? It depends on what generation of black people I would say. Because if it's younger black people, it's going to be, you know, hip hop. Older black generation, yeah, you could play, mm, you might be able to play some Marvin Gaye, you know, some old school, you know, uh, Donny Hathaway, This Christmas, that's probably like the number one, <laughs> my friend, uh, number one Christmas song, my friend texted me once, he's like, uh, he's like, give me some of the black Christmas songs, and I texted him that, he's like, I love this song, <laughs> you heard that song, This Christmas will oh, yeah, be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes, very yep. special. Christmas. Yeah, what a, that's what about, required listening to at Christmas time for us black folk. 
What about It's Raining Men? <laughs> no? <You're> gay. <laughs> <laughs> so crossing that one off. <laughs> we're learning so much. This is this is why we're doing the show. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. We're learning about each other's cultures. So I thought I really thought the, that uh Texas culture was an all-encompassing like clearly you would know the country sing-alongs nah, and i guess nah. no no nah. what, about, what about one last one what about the garth brooks friends in like places no no i i mean i know that song i don't well, i know the chorus i don't know the lyrics but no no <laughs> and it's only because okay. i've been out with my white friends and that song started playing go oh okay okay because <laughs> I, I told you like cut, listen I, I like some country music but not country music prior to 1980 i say so Hank Williams Sr., Johnny Cash, uh, Merle Haggard. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like I like that type of country. But after that, once it the white yokums come into the uh, scene, eh. well, between and and kind of overlapping with the, the what you're calling the good country, and I agree, it's great country. Like the Hank Williams Sr., um, uh, Johnny Cash, uh, uh, Marty Robbins. I, in between those and then the ones like the Dwight Yoakams that you don't like, there's also there's also like Willie and Waylon, and that's where mm -hmm. that Lukenbach song comes into play. So that mm -hmm. was a song about like all the outlaw country guys mm -hmm. would go and play at Lukenbach, and it's this really tiny town. It's it's right on the outskirts, or it's sort of uh, it might even be considered part of Johnson City or Fredericksburg. It's right, right there next to those places, and it's I think it has a population of three people. And it's it's literally it's just the dance hall, and like a post office. It's like three buildings, <laughs> but it's awesome. this, it's known for this like it's this big music venue that people come to every year that at Christmas time they have the Lukenbach Christmas Ball, and I got to go see Gary P Nunn play there once, and everyone's dressed in their cowboy finery, like the men <laughs> have like have like the silver like the Mexican what do you call them conchos or whatever that go down the side of their pants, and they're all wearing like long dusters and like their fanciest cowboy clothes. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And speaking of uh, Willie Nelson, I read a book back when I was in college on the history of Austin. And according to this book, uh, what created the Austin quote unquote weird culture was Willie Nelson because he united yes. the, you know, cowboy types and the pot smoking hippies and it merged. So you saw like people smoking pot wearing cowboy hats and that yep. created that kind of, weird at one point in time it was you know weird but now it's not very corporate but i thought it was interesting it's exactly right that is what happened he brought together the cowboys and the hippies <laughs> it's from blues brothers i love that line and we got <laughs> what kind of music you play <laughs> we play both country and western <laughs> that's great okay so we're not here to talk about country music though we're doing another show <laughs> a zombie night uh I'm very excited about this. I've I haven't been I haven't been as involved in the zombie culture scene as I used to be, but it's always been one of my favorite genres of film and comic books and TV and uh, books. And so I have a lot of thoughts about it. And I wanted to, but I wanted to open up the. First. Are you a big, are you a big horror movie fan? I mean, you're more into sci-fi and fantasy. Sci-fi and fantasy overall, but. And when it comes to horror, I love zombie films. That's probably number one horror films. And then some slashers, but 
not hugely into the horror, but yeah, zombie. Yeah, zombie films are my jam. Cole, can you put up that first image that we wanted to start with? This is for the... (laughs) 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 I need an explanation uh, of this. One of the knitters sent this. I don't know the explanation. I just said, (laughs) we're going to put up the knitter zombie. So uh, for all of you knitters in the chat, I just thought this is a great image. If I had gotten this sooner, I would have made it the cover image. (laughs) So that's how he died. He had a knitting accident and became a zombie. It looks like it looks like someone uh, stabbed her or him with the knitting needles. (laughs) So, uh, Thank you for the super chat. Pyro Tomsky says, I'm a little bit country and I'm a little bit rock and roll. So am I. (laughs) So one of the things that interests me about zombie films and it's sort of, well, first of all, I've read studies that show that people tend to watch more horror film when there are bad things happening in the world. And you can see that with the recent spike in horror, it's doing better than almost every category right now, other than adventure and superhero movies and action. Um, it's doing better than comedies, which is kind of crazy. And uh, a lot of people have talked about, in particular, not just horror, but in zombie films, there because George Romero kind of put these on the map, there's been a lot of talk about the socio-political uh, messaging that's in his films. And he even he even claims that, and he talks about it, and he he talks about using the zombie movie as a vehicle to address different things that are going on in the world. Have you have you heard of that before? Yeah, I heard a little bit about you know obviously with Dawn of the Dead, and you know it's kind of critique on consumerism with the zombies in the mall, and you, know, you kind of can't tell the difference <laughs> between people. And I know with Day of the Dead, there's a kind of. Uh, narrative or theme revolving around ethics and you know the military but specifically scientific ethics uh the first one the first one that that's the one i've always wondered about because i've always wondered if romero intended that to have a kind of a theme or narrative to it or is it that he put one in dawn of the dead and then people went back retroactively and start saying oh well he must have put some kind of message or, or uh, analogy or something um, allegory in the original night of the dead. He actually, Cole, if you can look through all the links I sent you and pull up the George Romero one, because he's actually talked about this before. Oh, great. Thank you. That's super fast. Um, if you can make it just a little bit bigger, I'll see if I can read this. So uh, this is an article. The title is, can you scroll up for a second? Let me see just for anybody who's listening. This is George Romero says the walking dead has hurt sociopolitical zombie films. Uh, if you scroll down, he talks a little bit about night of the living dead and what he intended with that film. Um, and he says, I'm sorry, Cole, can you st- scroll down just a little? Thanks. He says that he didn't intend for it to be a film about race, but it became one about race that that was not his intention. Um, but I'll, I'll just start reading some of it. Horror legend George Romero sparked the zombie movie craze with his 1968 classic Night of the Living Dead. But as he tells IndieWire in an extensive interview on the occasion of the Museum of Modern Art's screening of a 4K restoration of the film, the legendary director has an uncanny, no, sorry, uneasy relationship with the genre he helped popularize. 
The 68-year-old Romero talked openly about the social and cultural implications of his film, how they tie into today's political climate, the way viewers have interpreted and misinterpreted his work, and how the success of The Walking Dead and World War Z has made his vision for his, the genre less commercially viable. Romero explained that Night of the Living Dead is a film about more about miscommunication than it is about zombies. So this is interesting. This is his quote. Um, hold on. People, there we go. People who, even when faced with impossible and improbable situations, still argue among themselves about petty things rather than facing the problem, the director said. I find that this is still going on today. He also discounts the theory that it is a film about racism. Quote, it accidentally became a racial film because of Dwayne Jones's character. There's nothing in the dialogue or anywhere else that says this film is about race, end quote. He does not, however, reject this interpretation and added, but that's what made it become important, I guess. And then if you scroll down, I just want to read just a couple more comments of his because you can tell he doesn't like where the zombie movies have gone today. And I want to get your opinion on this because I kind of disagree. I kind of disagree. <laughs> okay. He went on to state that the current popularity of the genre makes it impossible to make a low-budget horror movie in the manner that he prefers. Quote, now because of World War Z and The Walking Dead, I can't pitch a, a modest little zombie film, which is meant to be sociopolitical. I used to be able to pitch them on the basis of the zombie action, and I would hide the message inside of that, he lamented. The moment that you mentioned the word zombies, he's talking about these days, it's got to be, hey, Brad Pitt <laughs> paid $400 million to do that. Romero also claimed that The Walking Dead makes it impossible to make a zombie movie that has, quote, any sort of substance, just zombies wreaking havoc, he said. And he added, that's not what I'm about. Okay, you, you can take that one down. I just wanted to hit those comments. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't agree with, you know, this idea that just because it doesn't have a sociopolitical, you know, theme or narrative to it, that that's not, that that's preventing zombie movie, uh, his particular zombie movie or whatever from becoming popular. I don't think, first of all, I don't think it's necessary that a zombie film has to have a allegory for some sociopolitical issue to be enjoyable, you know, mm -hmm. just like any other type of movie. But I, I don't think people were turned off, you know, from his films because, you know, Brad Pitt was in some, you know, as he said, $400 million zombie film, you know, that you know had a big budget, but... You know, I think I grant him that it's probably harder to pitch a low budget zombie movie now, but I don't I don't think it's impossible to pitch a zombie movie with sociopolitical themes. No. I mean, any zombie movie, it's sort of about the. I think the reason why the people who do like the genre, who do like this, this monster, this, this movie monster, I think the reason they like it is because on some subconscious level, it's about not knowing the people that you think, you know. This is what I think it's about. I think it's about that fear of, I, I said this in a recent discussion uh, with Mike Harlow, but I think it's about that point, that part of the film um, where people encounter a loved one who's now zombie and they don't yet realize it. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to talk to, and it would be like me talking to you like, hey, Chris, what's, how was work today? And you're like coming towards me like you're going to eat me and not getting it. 
and still try, look, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? And it's like, <laughs> no, you don't know that person anymore, right? Like you don't right. know who that is anymore. And I think there's a, there's some kind of like subconscious fear there we have about not really knowing people close to us and, or at least I do. Mm -hmm. and, and I think some of it also um, culturally, like on a large scale, look at what's been unfolding the past couple of years. I mean, a lot of us have witnessed people behaving in some ways like zombies. Yeah. You know, just sort of mindlessly going, going along with, with wherever the cathedral, the media, the machine is taking them. And I know a lot of people that we've talked to and we've had in the chat and it's, they've seen in some ways they've, people have been revealed to them. Mm -hmm. Like I know people and I've, I've lost friends because of, my stance against lockdowns and, and mass mandates. And I've learned things about people that I didn't know before and sort of like, wow, I guess I didn't know that person as well as I thought I did. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I think there's definitely a lot of that in there. I, I think also a lot of the fascination has to do with people who are really fascinated by our most base instincts. You know, zombies are basically, or they're, they're all just like human, but without, a conscience you know they don't have a sense of morality they're just motivated by the most base instincts which is to to feed and yes. i think there's some, some fascination of you know stripping away that aspect of our humanity and what what's left behind is it just mm -hmm. some more animalistic um type uh, entity some creature you know and i think that's something that fascinates us about our own nature yeah there's something about it maybe also that has to do with um, this is sort of, I guess this is related to what you're saying. It's, it's sort of like, where does the soul go? Like in a zombie movie, again, it's this, it's the animated body of someone that you knew and where are they? Um, I don't know if you saw the Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you? So I loved it. I also loved, I saw Cole in the chat, it scroll, scrolled by, but I saw him saying that he liked Romero's um, sequels. He liked the Dawn of the Dead sequel. I did too. I liked the Romero one and I liked the remake. They were very different. But there was a scene in the remake where they play a song. It's a, it's a Johnny Cash song actually. And he's talking about when it's a quote and he's saying when there's when there's no more room left in hell the dead will walk all right <laughs> do you remember that yeah 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 it's a great line yeah I, I always love that explanation of zombies i always like the weird like supernatural aspect more than explaining it away as being some kind of like experiment gone wrong i think that's it it adds something to that to the genre i think and to the creatures themselves as being motivated by something that's you know evil i, I think yeah well, some of the zombie genre, it, it used to be um, like this sort of related to this voodoo trance thing. Right. And it's, it's become separated from that. And now it's really just this, you know, reanimated corpse thing, usually from some kind of virus. Um, right. Yeah. The, the original, you know, first zombie movie we can think of, I believe, was White Zombie with Bela Lugosi. That was like 1932, yes. I think. But like you're saying, they had they, those zombies have more to do with voodoo curses than, you know, people who are rising up from the dead and feasting on flesh. Romero is really the first one to do the um, feasting on flesh part, which, by the way, you know, think about the original movie. You think about how many taboos that movie broke. Like, it has uh, people eating other people's flesh. It has nudity in it. 
It has a lead actor who's black who slaps a white woman. I'm like, this is 1968. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> this must have played really well in the South. He was cutting edge. Yeah. He actually, so this is what I kind of think about Romero is I loved the the first three and, you know, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. And then he just got too on the nose. Like, mm-hmm. like some people have said that the, the, some of the political or sociopolitical subtext of, of Dawn of the Dead, which took place in a mall, was about our our sort of vapid consumerism, and mm-hmm. and and so people have had these different theories about what the subtext was of each one, and then he and then he got to where he started doing Land of the Dead and uh, Diary of the Dead. Did you see either of those? Yeah, I saw Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and I think even Survival of the Dead, which was his last one. I didn't even bother watching that one because the other yeah. two were so bad. Yeah, they weren't. Very good. Um, Land of the Dead, it, it forgets subtext. The plot, it's so on the nose. It's like zombies need rights. I mean, that was it. <laughs> we need to give zombies rights. It's like, Which, what is this movie? But isn't that kind of surprising that we haven't seen a, like a zombie movie like now doing something like that? But with an obvious allegory for like, I don't know, trans or for, you know, illegal immigrants or something. It's just, it seems like they wouldn't be able to help themselves and trying to make a very overt statement through a zombie film, which yes. I don't think we've really seen. Well, actually that this super chat from pirate Tomsky <laughs> says a modern woke zombie film would have Trump voters walking towards you saying votes, vote, <laughs> give me votes. <laughs> yeah. It would be so on the nose. They would have a zombie Trump in there, you know, the supporters um, would be trying to grab women by their vaginas. Yeah. Yes. It would it, again no subtext, and that's why I didn't. <laughs> that's why I didn't like Land of the Dead, and then and then Diary of the Dead. I guess had a a, a little bit more substance, but again, it was on the nose. Right. It's, it's a it's a critique of our addiction to social media and cameras and and um, documenting every part of our lives. And but but it it was just too overt. I felt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What was Survival of the Dead? Survival of Ted, I barely remember that movie, but I, I remember it was more, it, it continues off of Diary of the Dead, but I think it was more like a Hatfields and McCoys type story, but with zombies, if I remember correctly. I'm sure people in the chat can correct me, but it's been, that movie came out, I think 2009. I haven't seen it since. It's not. The fact that you great. don't remember it is not a good yeah. sign. I, I've seen so many zombie movies that I just I can't remember. Yeah, they, they start to bleed together. Yep. Scott Wellman, I wanted to thank you for this big super chat. Thank you, sir. Says, oh, wow, this is great timing. I've been waiting to catch Carrie on a live stream of her own. I love zombie movies as a teenager. I still watch Walking Dead in its millionth season. Wow, good for you. I yeah. gave up. And I loved, I used to love Walking Dead, but I gave up. Uh, keep up the great work, Carrie. Love the Compound Media Content House. Aw, thank you, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to stick with Walking Dead because I'm a completionist. I, I stuck with all seven seasons of True Blood, and that show began to suck. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm invested. I'm finishing this damn show out. But Walking Dead, I just I, I couldn't because Walking Dead ran into the problem that I think Battlestar Galactica ran into, which I love Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. But even before that show came out, I was concerned because the essential premise is a group of refugees that are fleeing some evil force that is trying to kill them. And so that Battlestar Galactica, but in particular, Walking Dead features 
seasons, you know, several seasons worth of these good guys who find a place that they think they're safe at. Bad guys attack, whether it be zombies or other humans. Few of them get killed, turn into zombies. They flee, find some place, think they're safe. Bad guys attack. Few of them get killed. It's just that over and over again. And doesn't really have, there was really no destination to it. Like, if Sci-Fi Channel had a show, I think I don't know if it's still on anymore, Z Nation, which I only watched the first episode. It's a really silly show. It's made by the same people uh, who make uh, Sharknado, you know, the Asylum types. But I just remember I watched the first episode, and the one thing I can say, the good thing about the show, even though a lot of it was just cheesy, but one good thing I think is that they at the very end of the episode, um, the characters are trying to find a vaccine that can you know um prevent people from turning into zombies and they have to get to i forget what city but it gives them a destination uh a place for the characters to to all go towards it gives them a timing because one of the characters who i guess had you know injected himself with this vaccine uh i guess it was starting to wear off but they still needed to harvest his blood or whatever and so he, it, he just needed a booster yeah and i was gonna say like if they if they did that i mean if they did that now you know you know what they be doing but yeah that that show at least you know uh, had some uh, a pacing to it and you know had an end goal in sight i don't know how it turned out because i didn't bother to watch the other episodes but with walking dead there there hasn't been a goal there and i just i gave up i just i can't do this anymore I thought the first four or five seasons were great. I mean, with some exceptions here and there, but uh, yeah, it just, it got to, it, it, it actually wasn't even that it was repeating that the form that it became formulaic. It was just that they killed off too many, too many of the main characters. So last time I turned in, I'm like, who are all these people? Like, <laughs> I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's been so long. You just introduced all these guys. Like, <laughs> like, Anyway, I couldn't stay with it after that. Um, By the way, um, Walking Dead, did you ever notice that like all the couple, pretty much all the, not all of them, but the majority of the couples in there are like all interracial couples? Yes, that's true. Is there, because like that, that when that started happening is when we started seeing a lot of commercials where, you know, you always had like a, you know, mixed race couple and our mixed children in it. And I was like, yeah, there are some interracial couples out there, but it's not that many as what we're they're trying to give the, you know, perception of. It was just weird. It just it, it remind it was just weird because contrast that to like when I was you know a kid and every time they had like a black person who was in a relationship on a TV show, they were always with another black person. And I was like, well, you can't be with a white person. Come on. But now it's like all you see is constant like mixed race couples. Which is weird. Not that I'm saying that's bad, but I'm just—it's just. But you're like, why can't I see? You can't. A black person can't be with a black person. Yeah, it's 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 really bizarre. Mm. Actually, Pirate Tonsky, thank you, sir. The super chats. He says, uh, "The Walking Dead." I read the comics. The show went off the story a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. It's nothing but wokeness. Women are amazing. Men are idiots. Standard wokeness. Yeah, that's part <laughs> of the reason I also gave up on it. I really liked. I used to read the comics. Um, um, way back before there was a TV show. And I remember the first one I read, Robert Kirkman had written this author's note in it. And he said um, he was such a big fan of, of the zombie genre. And he his only the only thing he didn't like about zombie stories is that they ended. And he wanted to do a never-ending zombie story. And he said the only place you could do that is TV or comic books. And 
you know, he's like, I didn't know how to get a TV show. So I'm doing comic books. You know, <laughs> and then they eventually got the TV show. So mm-hmm. that's what you're seeing is his never ending story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no kidding. Cause you know, originally walking dead was shopped to HBO. HBO turned it down. AMC bought it, made show got hugely popular and they tried to make other shows because Madman and Walking Dead were like the biggest shows on basic cable for a while. And so they tried putting out other shows like Hell on Wheels, which I saw one episode of and I liked. They, there were some other shows out there, but none of them really caught on the same way as Madman and Walking Dead. And so AMC just went back to, you know, what worked, which was just continuing to make more and more, you know, zombies stuff the spinoffs of the walking dead that's why they have fear of the walking dead i think they're supposed to make a spinoff with maggie and maybe negan i think i think i was reading or something like that it's just like they just keep going back to the well because they 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 are out of are they they're unwilling to stick with some show that might not be as popular as walking dead and matt man were that's fear speaking of fear of the walking dead <laughs> they should get over it and try yeah. something new <laughs> yeah very meta yeah Cole, can you bring up this article about um, why are zombie movies so popular? Sorry, I I had to mute myself for a second. There's a cat under my house, and I think she's fighting with Tiger. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So if you hear something. I hope Tiger whips her ass. Um, This is a different one, but we can do this one. Hold on. There's two that are pretty similar. Zombies, why this pop culture phenomenon will not die. Let me find this one. Okay. <laughs> the photo? Yeah, yeah, I was like, it's supposed to be scary or funny. Um, okay. The zombie apocalypse is real. Maybe not in the sense of reanimated flesh-eating corpses trudging down your street, but definitely in the pop culture sense. We're being eaten alive by the damn things, and we love it. This week sees the opening of Warm Bodies, a feel-good team rom-com about an adorably love-struck undead cannibal played by Nicholas Holt, and it also marks the local premiere during the great digital film festival at Cineplex Theatres of Cockneys vs. Zombies, a movie in which some working-class London yobs do battle against marauding hordes of the hungry shuffle demons. Um, it goes on to talk about, this is right before World War Z came out, uh, it's talking about The Walking Dead, and... It talks a little more about the popularity. Um, okay, so this is where it gets interesting. Apart from the vampire, another figure of predatory post-mortal pedigree in conspicuous 21st century demand, the zombie is hands down the most unkillably popular horror figure of our day. Unlike the vampire, which soars on an updraft of dark romanticism and forbidden eroticism and has its roots in centuries-old literary and folkloric traditions, The zombie, the walking corpse starving for flesh and dispatched only with a well-placed projectile to the skull, is neither very romantic, sexy, or even that old. 45 years old, in fact. For the zombie apocalypse really began in Pittsburgh in 1967 when Romero, at the time a 27-year-old maker of industrial films and commercials, decided to make a super cheap horror movie because he was bored with his day job. I'm going to skip a little bit of this. Um, okay. And herein lies the secret to the current global zombie apocalypse by making the monsters, which Romero had originally only referred to as goals, an unstoppable army of lurching 
automatons who could be fired upon with utter impunity, Night of the Living Dead introduced one of the most sensationally visceral and subtextually versatile monsters in the history of horror movies, the zombie, as the figure came to be called, and which really bore only scant relation to its Afro-Caribbean voodoo progenitor, was an all-purpose metaphor of maximum interpretability. Basically, anything that evoked de-individualization on a mass or epidemic scale, which is kind of what we're talking about in the past couple of years, this mm -hmm. sort of de-individualization. I mean, everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone looks the same. You can't see people's faces. People are becoming non-binary. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like, like everybody's starting to look the same. I saw these non-binary teens in a thrift store and they all looked like they were wearing the same, they had the same haircut. They had the same piercings. They had the same. Were you with me then? I don't think so. Okay. It was just, it was like, gosh, you guys look, I mean, it's, it's zombie like, okay. So basically anything that evoked de-individualization on a mass or epidemic scale, consumerism, communism, conservatism, conformism, Vietnam, civil rights, viral epidemic, the silent majority, mass media, homeland security, reality TV, any of this could be projected onto the infinite blankness of the living dead. I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. I think that's why it's very popular right now. And even before COVID, I think there's something in our sort of collective unconsciousness that recognizes this this sort of where, whether it's talking about consumerism or tribalism with a party or but just this this thing in human nature that that makes it so that some people just there's this pull to just fall in line and mm -hmm. be like everyone around you and conform yeah well it's kind of like what we were talking about on the uh episode we're talking about predictive programming and a lot of the zombie films that are uh featured in this post-apocalyptic you know, um, hellscape and how that may be a reflection of a lot of what people are viewing society as, you know, doomed or, you know, people who are just growing more, more nihilistic, you know, perhaps mm -hmm. people are responding to it because of that. And that could be one reason as to why it's, you know, popular. I think so. I think it's also, um, there is another article I sent you, Cole. It's it's a study suggests the paradoxical paradoxical enjoyment of horror media media serves as an uh, evolutionary function. Do you have that one? So this one is interesting, and we don't have to read the whole thing, um, but it's basically a study they did that says that. Oh, and oh, but I will read you this part, Chris. This is a quote from this scientist, this professor. It says, quote, my professional interest in scary entertainment stems from personal fascination, says Clayson, an associate professor at our house university and director of the recreational fear lab. What? <laughs> yes. This guy, evil scientist. What? Yes. Well, I, <laughs> I clicked on that recreational fear lab and it is like a mad scientist. He runs a whole lab of scary movies and and pays people to come in and be terrified and he studies <laughs> he studies the science of fear oh okay cool <laughs> Batman, Bill, I, I think that's 
just one way to take something you <laughs> want to do and like turn it into like I enjoy scaring and terrorizing people. <laughs> Let me make a career out of it. <laughs> just gonna remove my pants. Just don't look at me. <laughs> right. So uh, just from the first paragraph of this, this article, it says, uh, research published in evolutionary behavioral sciences presents evidence that the enjoyment of horror has evolved as a means of preparing for real world encounters with danger. The study found that high enjoyment of horror involves a preference for intensely frightening content and a, simultaneously, a simultaneous expectation of experiencing positive emotions. And it goes on later in the article to talk about it's that expectation of having the fear relieved at the end and having the positive emotions at the end, mm. which, I mean, anecdotally, I think that's true. I think that's why I enjoy horror movies is it sort of preparing you for real life. It says preparing you for uh, uh, real life encounters with danger. And it's like um, maybe a good analogy would be the way that people exercise tribalism in a in a safe way through sports right so they're getting out that that drive that that desire for conflict conflict and being in different tribes in this sort of safe way that doesn't shouldn't usually carry real world uh consequences right right um and i think horror is kind of similar maybe people are exercising this sort of i, I want to be prepared for things that are frightening mm -hmm. and this is a safe way to do it by enjoying a bit of entertainment that's that's scary and that yeah. I know I'm going to be okay at the end. I can see that. But, you know, I was also thinking how, you know, science fiction, we've seen how science fiction often kind of represents people's fears of the times, you know, when, you know, the atomic energy came about, you know, nuclear power, how a lot of science fiction movies featured, you know, mutated giant insects or bugs and you know experiments gone wrong uh, you've seen um, fears of artificial intelligence with terminator and the matrix you know movies i almost wonder i know the heyday of zombie films or i could say you could probably say the last 20 years were but when zombie really got popular it was like 70s and 80s and i know aids wasn't till you know probably that wasn't a big thing until the 80s but you know perhaps maybe some some deeper fear of you know uh, uh, disease you yeah know, being infected that could also play a part in that do you think that this um zombie craze culturally is going to continue now like just be extended for longer because of the past two years i i don't i because the zombie revival has been going on for 20 years now. Like it really first started in my, in my opinion, it started with uh, the first resident evil film that came out in 2002. And I remember when they advertised that movie, they were afraid to show zombies in it. They didn't sh advertise that as a zombie film. They just showed Mila Jovovich, you know, running up a wall and kicking a zombie dog in the face. But if you weren't yeah. familiar with the games, you would have no idea what it was. And so it became a surprise to people that it was a zombie film. And that film did well. And then you had Dawn of the Dead, Zack Schneider's you know, remake came out in, I believe, 04. That was really got the zombie craze going. Yes. And after that, you start seeing a lot of films, both big and small, come out. You know, And of course, Walking Dead, we talked about. Walking Dead was 2010, 2011, I think. And so it's really been going strong for 20 years, but I, I do think there is a certain 
exhaustion I think a lot of people have. And I know certainly I have as well. And I love zombie films, but every type of zombie film you can think of really has been done. There's been so many people who've put creative twists to it, you know, kind of like you were talking earlier about warm bodies. It's kind of like a little rom-com zombie film. Uh, there have been other ones, ones I thought were bad. Like there's one called Dead Girl, which it's kind of gross, but, you know, featured these teenagers that were like having sex with a zombie that was chained oh. up. I, and, yes, that was awful. It's supposed to be a commentary on like date rape or something like that. And then, yeah, so like every every twist has has been done. Pride and Prejudice with zombies, uh, everything you could think of. Like every they've done the of, comedies. Shaun yes, and and that's one of the things about what one of the things I loved about the zombie genre is it's one of the few genres that can produce great films no matter how it's produced you know in terms like they can make a series film where it's supposed to be like you know scared and it can be really good you can make a you know as we we're saying earlier rom-com and that can be good they can make a you know funny one that's purposely you know cheesy that could be good um they can make one on a cheap budget that could be fun they can one on a high budget it's just no matter how it you know different ways you can do it it can still be really good that's one of the few genres i could think of that's had this many good films that have been done so many different ways but as i was saying so much of it's already been done now and now we're kind of on the downswing i didn't watch the most recent big zombie film army was it army of the dead this is zach schneider movie that just came out i think it was army of the dead that did not get very good you know reviews and it's just walking dead i haven't checked the ratings for that but nobody talks about it really and yeah you know, i go I out and ask people anymore. nobody watches it anymore so like, I, I'm I, the prime, think I think you're right actually i would think because of the events of the past few years it would continue but but you're right people aren't somebody else in the chat said it's on the way out you and i are like the prime audience for some of these shows and films and i'm not even i didn't even check out army of the dead or i think i put it on for a couple minutes and was like ah, <laughs> yeah and unless it's it, it's almost like they've done everything they can do mm -hmm. for a while they need to take a break because the only one i've seen recently that i thought had some new kind of clever stuff in it was a korean film i think it was called busan train to busan i just really recently watched that that was very good that was very good. It was a train full of zombies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> zombies on a train. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was very good. And I think, you know, maybe, you know, foreign markets can still do a lot of scary movies, obviously, with, you know, Squid Games, which I have not watched, but I hear it's really good. But yeah, I, I watched, recently watched that when, you know, we were talking about doing this episode. I watched Train to Busan uh, in preparation, but I also watched yeah. the new Resident Evil that nobody saw. That was not good because <laughs> they rebooted good. it again, uh, and it's just it's just everything. It just feels so tired, and just doesn't feel like there's a much new spin to add to these yeah. movies. So, uh, what is your favorite zombie film? Do you have one? Yeah, my favorite, and this might be blasphemous, but I really love the first or no, excuse me, not first. What well, one? They the remake of the first. Night of Living Dead that came out in 1990 and it bombed unfortunately because this was the dead zone you know zombie films were popular in 70s 80s 90s just barely anything they weren't popular but this came in 1990 starred Tony Todd and Patricia Tallman Tony Todd who's the candy man he's also been on several episodes of Star Trek and I actually met him at a Star Trek convention oh wow which yeah I, I was uh 
this is in years ago in Houston. Uh, <laughs> I was at a, it wasn't a great Star Trek convention, but uh, he was walking around with uh, some quote unquote security guards. These guys dressed up as Klingons who were acting as security. And I go, hey, hey, Mr. Thomas Todd, can you sign my, my, my book? And I had a picture of him. And one of the quote unquote security guard Klingons was like, uh, you, you can't get his autograph. He's not supposed to sign autographs till, you know, six o'clock tonight. <laughs> And Tony Todd goes, hey, uh, do, do you want me to sign this? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, he, he said, you know, you couldn't until late. He's, he's like, do you want me to sign it? I was like, yeah. So he signs it to me. I was like, oh, great. Thank you. And then the clean on guy, who, who <laughs> the security guard goes, hey, you got a little Jake Sisko in you. And I know you're not a Deep Space Nine fan, but uh, Deep Space Nine has a character <laughs> called Jake Sisko, who's black and uh, who's a reporter. And he could be a little pushy, even though I wasn't pushy. But I was like, why you got to compare me to the black character? On <laughs> That's clean on. But yeah, uh, that movie, the 1991 was great. That was directed by Tom Salvini, who, you know, is a legend in Hollywood for makeup. He did the, the makeup for Dawn of the Dead, the original one. Okay. And he directed this one and makeup was fantastic. And I love that. Uh, it really, it really. I know it's blasphemous, but I think it improved on aspects of the original one, and specifically, it gave Barbara something to do because in the original one, Barbara is just completely catatonic the entire movie, gets slapped around by a black dude, and still that don't wake her up. <laughs> I haven't. I don't think I've seen that one. And there was a time when I was watching all the old zombies. Really, movies. I, I have it on DVD. I'll have to watch it sometime. Okay. Uh, my favorite would either be the Dawn of the Dead remake, the Zack Snyder, mm -hmm. or what Pirate put in the chat. He says, my favorite film is 20 Days Later, totally underrated, and the soundtrack is amazing. It is amazing. I have that soundtrack. And I think I like both of those because uh, uh, I know some people said before we did this in the comments, they were like, I only like the old zombie, the slow-moving zombies. Mm -hmm. I like both. And if it's done well, I, I don't mind. I mean, the fast-moving zombies are terrifying um yeah i wasn't I, go ahead sir well i wasn't really a fan of world war z was take take it or leave it but um but the dawn of the dead remake and 28 days later i thought they i thought they had a great subplot great characters it was that they were both terrifying movies and they both handled the part of the film i like the most which is when people are realizing they're in a, a different world that the world has changed mm -hmm. that's my favorite part because it's just so um disorienting it's that, again, it's like finding out something you believe to be true is not true. The world's different than you thought. Um, that kind of red pill moment. Uh, <laughs> they both handled that really well. Yeah. I And I like both the fast-moving, slow-moving zombies. But I like the slow-moving zombies more because they seem more undead. Like the fast-moving ones seem more monsterish. And they seem more like they're infected like 28 days later was featured you know people who were affected by something mm -hmm. but i like the slow moving zombies particularly like we were saying earlier with the supernatural you know uh, explanation that you know the dead's just rising i just like that more did you ever see any of the weird italian zombie horror movies from yeah, unfortunately you did <laughs> I saw Zombie Two. I was that gonna has say one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. The you know the part where yes. the, the wooden shard goes into the woman's eye and it shows the whole damn thing, keep waiting for it to cut. Like in America's cinema, like it's gonna cut any moment. No, it goes straight in her eye. You're like ah. It's Zombie horrible. Two 
this is this thing they used to do where Italian film, they would try and uh, capitalize off of a popular American film. And so they would take, <laughs> they would take the name of the first movie. That's how Troll 2 came about. Troll 2 had nothing to do with Troll 1. Troll 2 wasn't even about trolls. It was about goblins. <laughs> it, it was made by the... <laughs> It was made by these uh, Italians and yep. they just, and they just slapped the name troll two on there and try to capitalize on the success of troll. Um, and so that happened with zombie two. It was an Italian film. They wanted to capitalize on uh, Romero's success and they gave it that name. And it's so it's also features Cole. Can you bring up the clip? <clears throat> if anybody hasn't seen this, don't worry. It's not super gruesome. It's actually funnier than it is anything. <laughs> It's now become an infamous scene. Uh, I think um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, I wonder if people in chat know. Uh, this is the scene with the zombie fighting the shark. We <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> can pull it up. Um, yeah, let's see. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Is Zombies don't need to be able to breathe. <laughs> Zombies, they just walk around under, on the ocean floor. They might bump into a shark. I really hope that shark was okay because, you know, I, I know PETA didn't exist in Italy back then. I've seen a number of uh, Italian movies where there was clearly animal rights abuse. I just hope that shark was all right. I'm, Arwana says, what the hell am I seeing? You're watching the infamous zombie versus shark scene from the Italian film, 1970 film, Zombie 2. <laughs> the shark is like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I just want to swim away. <laughs> Poor shark. <laughs> Somebody... <laughs> Let go of me. <laughs> <laughs> the zombie's clearly holding on and writing him. <laughs> Somebody in the writer's room was like, I've got an idea. <laughs> Probably except, came to him in a dream. <laughs> except they said it in Italian, but they said, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to have to do a feature episode on just like so bad or good movies. <laughs> oh. There's so many good ones I want to talk about. Yeah, well, somebody in the chat, who was it? Tree Surgeon. Just quoted Troll 2, which cracks me up. You can't piss on hospitality. Piss on I want to oh, you know that you know that line. Of course. Oh my gosh. That movie. I could we could do a whole episode on that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, there's one other Italian one I wonder if you saw. It's uh Burial Ground, Knights of Terror. I don't think I've seen this one. Okay. I couldn't find a clip that we could show that wasn't too gruesome. So we're just gonna show you the picture. Uh, this little person, one of the weird, there are so many weird things about this movie. It's just, you'll watch, you'll watch it and be like the Italians, right? Like, what are they thinking? Um, and there's this weird, they, they chose to have a little person, an adult man who looks like an adult man play a child. I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> it's never explained. <laughs> He doesn't look like a child. Uh, this is him. <laughs> oh, God, take it off. Take it off. <laughs> See, I'm going to close my eyes tonight. Jesus. Yeah. And he, there's this weird scene where he's like trying to molest his mother. What? And like uh, healing her up. Yeah. And he's like, tries to 
suck on her breast and bites her what? and then like and then he be- ends up becoming a zombie yeah it's just disturbing but if you can stomach that for the weirdness if you're a person who <laughs> likes weird movies that's like the weirdest probably the weirdest it's weirder than shark versus zombie uh burial night burial ugh. uh nights of terror burial ground nights of terror what's the weirdest one you've seen the weirdest one i've seen Ooh, gosh i've seen so many uh return of living dead was pretty weird this comedic one yeah they had some really weird scenes in that one. Oh, geez uh and probably some science fi channel type you know movie and so many i've just the, there was zombie honeymoon which is kind of weird i don't think i saw that so uh, uh it's a couple and i guess the guy gets bit and you know she's trying to the woman is trying to spend her or honeymoon with him while he's slowly turning a zombie and that was kind of weird yeah there's just oh um this one is weird but i love this movie uh dead alive did you ever see that peter jackson yes. love peter that movie jackson. that probably has the most blood i've ever seen in a movie like there's a part in the film for those who don't know where the main character picks up a lawnmower, turns it on, and just runs into zombies. And you just see body parts and blood flying everywhere. It's it's insane. He is a, a weird, interesting director. Because, you know, a lot of directors stick to the same kind of genre. And they have a style about them. And I couldn't really nail down his style because he did... He did Dead Alive, which is, like you said, one of the goriest horror films ever. And then he did, um, what was it called? Meet the Feebles or the Feebles. Do you remember this? I don't remember that one. Does somebody in chat remember this? It was a weird um, takeoff on the Muppets. It was all these really disgusting Muppet characters. They were were so (laughs) gross. And they were Meet the Feebles, yes. And they were engaged in just debauchery and... Um, I did. I did not enjoy it actually. Uh, he did that movie. Then he did this really beautiful movie, Heavenly Creatures, which was about a true crime that happened in I want to say New Zealand. Uh, Kate Winslet was in it. It was about these two girls who kind of invented this whole fantasy land in their stories and stuff. They used to write together, and they ended up killing one of the girls' parents so they could go off and live this fantasy life together. And and he did a he took that dark subject matter of this true crime and made like a really beautiful film. Then he goes and does fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like he did the frighteners. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's kind of all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember reading that Elijah Wood said that if he ever uh, remade uh, Dead Alive, that he, Elijah Wood would love to star in it because <laughs> he's that big of a fan. I was like, wow, <laughs> that would be kind of cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring up one other interesting article. I know I didn't send this to you. So, Cole, can you bring up the one about um, losing weight? <laughs> what? I think I hope I said this one to him. Yeah. So there's this one study that was done about how watching horror movies actually burns calories <laughs> because of the stress. <laughs> <laughs> So if people want a reason to lose weight, maybe I didn't send that one. That's okay. Bring up any of the other ones I sent you and we'll just go through the rest of them.
Oh, there we go. Horror movies, this is a different one, actually. Horror movies manipulate brain activity expertly to enhance excitement. Scroll down on this one. Hmm. This is from Neuroscience News. Um, and this was a Finnish study. It said, Finnish research team maps neural activity in response to watching horror movies. A study conducted by the University of Turku shows that the top horror movies of the past 100 years, uh, or it shows how they manipulate brain activity. Humans are fascinated by what scares us, be it skydiving, roller coasters, or true crime documentaries, provided these threats are kept at a safe distance. Horror movies are no different. Whilst all movies have our heroes face some kind of threat to their safety or happiness, horror movies up the ante by having some kind of superhuman or supernatural threat that cannot be reasoned with or fought easily. The research team at the University of Turku, Finland, studied why we are drawn to such things in entertainment. The researchers first established the 100 best and scariest horror movies of the past century and how they made people feel. Which, by the way, how do you determine what the 100 best are? I mean, that itself... They must have gone to that guy's fear lab. <laughs> Unseen threats are most scary. Firstly, 72% of people report watching at least one horror movie every six months. And the reasons for doing so, besides the feelings of fear and anxiety, was primarily that of excitement. So this is more about like what that other study was saying, is that people sort of, your brain start to anticipate the good feelings at the end of the movie. You're anticipating mm -hmm. the relief at the end. Um, watching horror movies was also an excuse to socialize with many people preferring to watch horror movies with others rather than on their own. Okay. And that's, a, we don't have to bring this one up, but I read another interesting study where they took married couples and they had them watch horror movies. And then they took single people and had them watch horror movies. And they found that being in, um, a stable, supportive marriage made your stress level lower when watching a horror film. And hmm. the people who watched them by themselves had higher stress and anxiety levels at the end of the movie. Interesting. And kind of makes sense. What about for men? <laughs> it's like <laughs> pretty interesting. I don't know. I'd like to see that breakdown too. Mm -hmm. But um, people found horror that was psychological in nature and based on real events the scariest, and were far more scared by things that were unseen or implied rather than what they could actually see. This is this is not a zombie movie, but did you ever see the horror movie The Babadook? No. This is one of, I think, the best horror movies in the past decade. Um, it's a little film. You know, if Romero wants to talk about movies uh, not being able to make low-budget movies anymore, he should watch The Babadook. <laughs> um, because it's a, it's a 2014 low-budget Australian film, it's, it's also called a psychological thriller a lot of times because so much of what's scary about that movie is what's off camera and what you can't see. And they make use of the lighting, the camera angles, the way they shoot, all of it is just disturbing. It almost reminded me of David Lynch in a way um, with the way they build this, this sort of unease and this terror without really, there's not like a lot of gotcha moments. There's not a lot of blood and gore. It's just a psychologically like terrifying movie oh, i miss movies like that because it seems like most scary movies these days rely on jump scares where it's a very loud noise or clang or something and it causes you to kind of jump out your seat but it's not it doesn't feel like a earned scare moment yeah. oftentimes i just want to see like psychological you know 
thriller of some sort that kind of messes with your mind. Yeah, it does feel like a cheat. And those are the ones, <clears throat> excuse me, that I enjoy the least when I feel like they're just playing a lot of gotcha the whole time. It's like, I don't, that's not yeah. what I came here for. The It movies um, did that, the most recent ones. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's all the pieces I had. If, if you have other stuff you want to talk about, I could talk about zombie movies forever, but I don't know if it's going to bore people. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to show a video. Uh, Cole, I sent you a video called the Detroit Zombie. If you could bring that up, please. Is this going to make me laugh or be scared? No, it's so this is about uh, some guy a few years ago, I think about a decade ago, actually, uh, put for a proposal to buy a section of Detroit and turn it into a zombie theme park type thing where people would, you know, run from zombies and, you know, it'd be some game. And so I, I wanted to show this uh, video and uh, see if you, how serious do you think this guy was in his uh, attempts to, to bring about the zombie park? So if you could play this, please, Cole. Imagine turning this into a zombie themed park. Hi, yes. I'm Mark Sywalk. I'm leading a team that is intent on creating Z World Detroit, a spectacular zombie themed experience park. Now, the question for Detroit is, what do you do with a place that looks like this, a place that's turned into this? Now, the answer for decades has been to essentially do nothing, to abandon it, to leave it behind, head for the suburbs, or at least a nicer section of Detroit. Now, this leaves wide sections of the city that look like this. Now, of course, people look at it and see a problem, a huge liability. But, but not me. That's looking at it the wrong way. <laughs> it's actually an opportunity that we would like kind to take of feels like uh, OCP and embrace is left behind and turn into something that is unique and spectacular. And this is what we want to turn into Z World Detroit. Now, there's a long story about how Detroit got here. It's a classic. This guy is a genius. The auto industry that went <laughs> one million people leaving, and they left their homes and businesses behind. And that really is going to translate into this data-driven Detroit map. Now, on this map, you're going to see the green areas show the places where 50% of the residential lots are vacant. Now, just think about the magnitude of that. And that gets you these pictures. But this isn't about complaining about Detroit. It's about doing something about it. More importantly, doing something fun and interesting about it. Now, Detroit's problems are no mystery to anybody, including the mayor, who's made this a big priority. And he's formed the Detroit Works Project that wants to come up with ideas on what to do with all of this space. Now, there's been a number of stories in the paper, but they, we have a great idea here. Let's <laughs> I think so. Detroit. <laughs> now, here you would have acres and acres where people would come in with their friends and have an overnight adventure far more interesting than any boring camping trip that you've been on. This is like Westworld. There would be a perimeter wall yeah. enclosing the entire area. <laughs> there would be a headquarters building, a staging area, and the area would be filled with lots of houses, warehouses, factories and open spaces in this expansive area you'd be chased down by zombies and you'd pay good money for it up with another group. Wonder if you're going to make it through the night or you'll be turned into a zombie pretty much this is going to be the time of your life you may have to down prepare for a final assault now, how much fun would this be? Expansive and immersive. 
like you've never done anything like this before. And you're going to be living the real zombie apocalypse. So here's how the general gameplay is going to work. Participants gather in the staging area. So you, your friends, and everybody else are let loose in this expansive area. Just be Detroit. Home base. Just survive a night in Detroit. <laughs> Why do you need to add zombies? Sense of what you're in store for. Then a small group of zombies is released. And as you know, once released, they will start to advance and the horde will multiply. Now, here's the beauty. Suppose the zombies get you. The game is not over. You now join the zombie horde and play out the rest of the game as a zombie and start hunting down your friends and any other victims you can find. I see. And to add the, to the immersiveness, the game's going to last all night. So, as you can see, this is a very ambitious project. In terms of specific project goals, here's what we want to do. First, we want to conduct a conference so to locate the ideal that meets our specific criteria, like building mix, vacant lot density, and overall location within the city. Of course, we have a few in mind, but we need to get very specific and thoroughly understand the land ownership of these neighborhoods. Then we will develop a specific site design. This will include the enclosure wall, design and costing, and the various infrastructure and safety enhancements By the way, in order to make the site somebody viable. says, no, there's and lots of, of work in Detroit now. City's booming with construction, fixing it up way better than 2012. I hear that. I'm curious to see how much uh, work's been done. A thoughtful plan with strong support from all of you is critical to attracting the necessary political and financial capital to make this happen. And with that, I mean, we can turn this into zero. Look at the scenery. Control. I know. So, here's your chance to help us do something bold, spectacular, and potentially transformative for an entire neighborhood. Something that will actually create jobs and a destination. Little Rags got now, 50 bucks on this right now. Who doesn't want to live for at least one night in the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> so we invite you to help us out on our adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome your feedback and questions. So, our so this guy... Had a GoFundMe or you know one of the project uh, fundraising things, and they didn't meet their goal, and so I, I, I'm because I, I saw this years ago and I thought it was a joke, and part of me almost still kind of leans that way only because of the quality of the renderings. But he put so much detail in it that almost makes me think he was serious and trying to do this. What do you think? I think he's serious. Okay. When how old is this? Uh, this is about a decade ago now. Okay. This was the height of people doing all the zombie stuff. I did right. I did zombie runs. Did you ever do a zombie run? No. Is that white people stuff? <laughs> you just dress as a zombie <laughs> and run a marathon, is that it? It was it was when okay, it was at the height of when people were doing all these different themed 5Ks. And so um, you know, I did the color run and the neon run, and I mean there were a ton of these different kinds of themed runs and you're just running about a little over three miles. You get your t-shirt and it's a short distance. And I was doing a lot of the fun ones, like building up to the half marathon and then a marathon, which I'll never do again. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the zombie run was the most fun. I did two of them hmm. um, because you could run as a zombie. I mean, you could, you could run as a, as yourself, or you could play a zombie if you wanted to. And they got like training on what they were supposed to do. <laughs> and so a lot of these fun runs had like different, different themes had like obstacle courses and stuff like the color run. They spray you in color, right? Like they all had gimmicks. The zombie run was you had three 
red flags around your waist and you had to make it through the whole three miles without all three flags being pulled. Mm. Um, and you didn't get a medal if the zombies got all three of your flags. And so, you know, you're running and you're dodging these people who, who signed up to be zombies. They had the full makeup. They're, they're not supposed to run, but some of them did. <laughs> <laughs> and then, terrifying. and then there's other obstacle courses. Like one part I had to, you have to go through this house that's filled with smoke and there's like little electrical wires hanging that are shocking you. And there's zombies in the house and you have to run out the back. And then there's another part where you have to like crawl on your belly under in the mud under these other of these things that'll shock you and um and make it out to the other side i'm one of the runs i made it but people were really into this stuff i was really <laughs> I, I, I was like yes i i love running and i i'm terrified of zombies that'll motivate me so this probably came out at the height of that there was something yeah. else i was considering doing back then and i didn't but there was i found this um zombie survival camp in new jersey in the woods of new jersey and I wonder if this is still online. This is probably 10 years ago. And you would pay and go and stay there like a retreat with all these other people. And they would have all these different courses they would do to teach you survival in a zombie apocalypse. So they had firearms training. They, they would teach you how to hotwire a car, um, emergency medicine, and then like different kinds of zombie obstacle games. Huh. And so, yeah. And so people were looking for stuff like this. And I bet yeah. this guy was like, I think he was totally serious. Let's make Detroit. <laughs> let's take something bad. <laughs> and let's turn it into something fun. What's really funny, though, is how he talks about it. Like, yeah. you'll spend all night running for your life from zombies. <laughs> I was thinking, like, how many uh, zombie actors are going to get shot by, like, a Detroit resident just wanders in? <laughs> the hell are you? They're shooting at him. <laughs> How much do you have to pay for Samuel Jackson to be there? <laughs> like, he hasn't done a zombie film, man. He needs to do that before he retires. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I wish that that had become a reality. I know. I know. It's, it sounds horrible to laugh at that, but it's like, it's kind of, it's a, you know, capitalism. Hey, this. <laughs> it's like ecotourism but the opposite it's like we'll take this uh this place that's had all the people move out and all the buildings are are a wreck and we'll turn it into a dystopian nightmare that people pay to come to i, I want to make a thing where uh, i'll offer to dress someone up as robocop and they can patrol the streets of detroit Looking for crime. <laughs> See how that works out for him. <laughs> Don't worry, you won't get shot. They'll be like, hey, it's Robocop. I promise. Thank you so much for finding that and showing me that. That was really fun. Yeah, no problem. That's I appreciate fun. it. I love it. <laughs> I don't have a lot else to add. Um, did you, well, did you ever read, you read some of the comics, The Walking Dead. Did you ever read zombie fiction? No, I've actually never uh, read any zombie novels or comics. Oh, you didn't read the comics? No, didn't. Oh, that was Pirate who read them. Okay. Um, well, I've read a lot of zombie novels. Some of the trashier ones, like uh, Brian Keene. I read some of those. Um, City of the Dead. Um, some of the best ones. Oh, Michael Wellington did a series that was pretty good. But my favorite ones, if anybody does like horror fiction and they're looking for, I think, like good quality writing in that genre, is uh, Rhiannon Freighter, As the World Dies. It's a three-book series. I thought it was excellent. 
uh, and then and then I kept looking for something that was that good, and that's when I was coming across all the really uh, splatter punk, like trashy, gory <laughs> zombie stuff. I was like, yeah, I wasn't really looking for that. I was looking for the story. But Wait, so was it like a romance novel, but with zombies in it? Was that what made it trashy? Oh, the splatter punk. No, splatter punk was more like. Um, you mean the ones I didn't like as much? Oh yeah, right? yeah. No, it was just more. Like, imagine just a really gory, in bad taste horror movie. It's like that, but in a pulp novel, you know? So there's mm. like I, just people doing awful things and, and, and not, and, and just for the shock value. Like, just, I'm not going to say some of the stuff. It's just really <laughs> gross. It's just really gross. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. But, but Rhiannon Freighter series was not like that. It was excellent. The characters were great. And it's sort of what The Walking Dead was at the beginning, which is you're getting to know these characters. They're they're thrust into this new world. Everything's different. They're having to learn these new rules of survival, and they're developing the storylines between the characters. And I thought those books were really well done. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. By by the way, my first um, exposure to zombies was uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. I remember my parents wouldn't allow me to watch that when I was a kid because they thought it was too scary. And so one time I just uh, watched it home alone, like I hid behind a pillow and watched it. <laughs> and then afterwards I was like, oh, this wasn't scary. And then I love zombies. That I wonder how many people that was the first uh, interaction they had with the zombie monster, like with the whole mm -hmm. myth of the zombie. Well, it was interesting sure. too with uh, Thriller right before the video started, they put up the message where Michael Jackson said he doesn't, you know, engage or endorse the occult. And I just always thought that was odd that they needed to put that there. I guess that, you know, with satanic panic and all this stuff going on at that time, you felt the need to let everyone know that, you know, he's not promoting Satanism or whatever, but it's an right. interesting time. Um, there was a, there's one final thing I can show you if I can find it. Uh, did I ever tell you about the zombie art project I was in? No. It was a friend. There, there's this friend of mine when I lived in L.A. She's so creative. And she was always, every year there was this thing in L.A. called Gothtober. Okay, I'm looking for this now while I talk. And Gothtober was like an advent calendar for the month of October, like leading up to Halloween. And one of the local artists in Silver Lake would put this on. And I had a lot of friends who would participate and one year, one year I made my own entry, but usually I was just, I was in somebody else's entry. And so um, my friend Lori had the idea for this uh, black and white old timey kind of movie. I'm going to mm. put this in the private chat. I found it. This is okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see. See if you can put that up, Cole. So on the Gothtober website, you actually had to click. There's a little creepy hand there, and you had to click to go to each slide. Um, <laughs> that's it.
<laughs> I saved that zombie dress in case I need it. <laughs> I never know. It's in a bag. I did wear it again for another video. So. <laughs> what was your motivation, Carrie? <laughs> I wasn't good at it. I mean, I'm, not good. I'm, I'm not good at acting. <laughs> Even for still photos. Okay, so then we saw the zombie see some hipsters. <laughs> That's scary, huh? another gross photo at the end but <laughs> we cut it off right before the grosser the grosser photo but yeah anyway i don't know and that was a entered in for was a golftober you said yeah was so it was there was a really great like vibrant artist community in uh silver lake echo park it's probably probably still vibrant um, there was a girl named JP and she used to run this thing called craft night every week. It was $2. You would come to the Akbar and sit in the back room, pay your two bucks, get your crafting materials and make kids crafts. It sounds like, <laughs> you know, it is kind of childlike, but it was fun because yeah. people would be sitting around the table making stuff and having conversations. And it's really different than what you would normally get at a bar, you know, and, um, and so JP, who ran Craft Night, she would do Gotober every year. And you would have all these local artists who would do different kinds of entries, like short films or um, artwork. Or, and she would select one for each day of the month. Um, and it would be every day she would reveal a new one, like an advent calendar. It was really cool. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, my friend Lori was, she ended up, she did a movie later for another one. Um, and she's a brilliant costume designer, like amazing seamstress. Oh, Little rags should meet her. I bet they'd have a lot in common. But um, she she worked for one movie. Her, uh, she had the job in uh, Austin Powers 3. She had to take all the costumes from the original Austin Powers and then convert them for little people because they had that scene with all the little people. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but outside of movies and stuff, so, like she made her own costume. She was just like really great artist. I'm just rambling. We can wrap this up. <laughs> That's one thing I really liked about LA. I'll say that. That's yeah. a good memory because I, I, there were a lot of things I didn't like about it and I was really happy to leave there. But, um, you know, in that, in that part of Los Angeles anyway, there was a really great artist scene. Yeah. Now they're all zombies. Yeah. They're all, now they're all woke zombies. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <clears throat> well, thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight for the zombie episode. And uh, not sure yet if we're going to be doing a Friday show. We'll let you know on the community page. But we um, 
we are tomorrow, Thursday. There's a deprogrammed interview coming out at six o'clock Texas time. It's actually with an artist, with a dancer, Marcota, um, Martina Marcota, who is the wife of Jack Buckby, who I previously interviewed. And she's got a whole story about woke and cancellation in the dancing world. That's just crazy what, what they've done to this woman. So I uh, hope you guys will tune in for that. I, I really love talking to her. And um, this Saturday, there's going to be a special episode that we're putting out. I can't tell you much about it yet, but keep your eyes peeled. It's hopefully hopefully going to be an important one um, for some parents. So thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks, Mystery Chris. Thank you. It's fun. Thank you, everyone in chat. Thank you, guys.